Today's guest is Chuck Riddle. He's a senior advisor at the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. And Chuck and I have worked, we've known each other for many years, since 2008. We're getting old. We've been in this business a long time. But thanks for joining me today, Chuck. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. So for those who haven't gotten to know you, as as I have over the years, talk a bit about uh, where you're from, who you are, and what you do. Sure. So I, I am from Alexandria, Virginia. I'm one of the few natives to the DMV. Uh, born and raised in the Northern Virginia area. Um, and my role right now is a senior advisor slash program manager for the SEC. Um, I've been um, started off in the private sector. I'll, I'll, I'll do a little bit of biographical here and you can uh, course correct me as we go. Uh, so my first job out of college, I thought I wanted to work on Capitol Hill. Hmm. So when I graduated, I, um, I got a job as, with a US congressman as a legislative correspondent and I thought it would be a great job. I was making all of $19,000 a year. And um, the representative that I went to work for, I started working with him in August and he lost his primary uh, like within a month of me starting working for him. So within about five months, I was looking for another job. And he had been with, he was the fourth ranking um, member of Congress at the time. So it was a bit of a surprise that he lost his reelection. So anyway, um, did not follow that career path, mm. ended up, answering a Washington Post ad, and I started working for a tech startup. And my first several positions were actually with a tech startup in Northern Virginia, um, was connected with basically a serial entrepreneur who started some companies and uh, bounced around with him a couple of times. I went to work for one company uh, called Nettel, and I was the second employee at that company, and we grew it to about 650 people. We were nationwide. Um, I had stock options and thought I was going to make a lot of money. Um, we were six weeks away from going public on the NASDAQ. We actually had our ticker symbol and everything. And I was counting my money. I was 27 years old, about to make a windfall of many millions of dollars. But unfortunately, the tech bubble burst. And instead of um, becoming a millionaire, the company went bankrupt. <laughs> so I was left to um, kind of pick up the pieces and figure out what to do next. So I thought, well, I'm going to, I've got tech experience. I'm going to go work for a well-established telecommunications company that was more than hundred years old, cable and wireless. So I, I went to work for them and about a year into it, they ended up going bankrupt. Oh, no. <laughs> so it was so much for the safe harbor of a, a well-established company. So I, after that, I ended up actually consulting with Booz Allen. And uh, that was my first really interaction with the federal government was as a consultant at Booz Allen. And when I was with Booz, um, they offered a, um, a program where you could get your master's degree with Johns Hopkins while you're going to, uh, while you're working there in Tyson's Corner with Booz Allen. So I started doing that. I also got my first project management certification. And that sort of introduced me to the federal government. I was supporting a customer um, there who ended up becoming the CIO at an agency at USDA. And I went to work for him and stood up a project management office at uh, Food Safety Inspection Service at the USDA. So that was, um, that was my transition slash introduction to government. And from there, kind of worked my way up. Um, ended up um, with USDA for six or seven years and uh, worked my way up to CTO there and really wanted to attain the, the position of CIO. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember I was on vacation visiting my sister down in Florida and I answered four different USA jobs postings for a CIO. I applied for four, three of them I never heard back from. 
The fourth one, I was their top candidate and ended up becoming the CIO at the government printing office um, for the next six years after that. So um, I was with GPO, really enjoyed it. And then um, an opportunity opened up at the SEC and I went, uh, kind of stepped out of the CIO role, became the chief technology officer at SEC. And um, a couple of years into that, my boss quit and I became the acting CIO for a year and a half. So I've kind of, uh, I've been there, done that in terms of the senior executive level positions. And uh, an interesting twist for me when COVID hit, um, I decided that um, my wife had always wanted to relocate outside the DC area. So when COVID hit and everybody in the federal government was teleworking, I decided to take a radical left turn and step out of senior executive service and become a, a non-supervisor and so that I could relocate to live in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So I've been in Tennessee now for uh, about a year and a half. And um, that's kind of the, the short version of how I ended up where I'm at today. Wow, very interesting. I mean, initially, I'd be very concerned for anybody who worked at a company you worked at that they <laughs> yeah. would have a job. Yeah, I felt like I felt like I was it me or was it them? You know, I felt like there was a dark cloud following me. But thankfully, um, that stopped a couple couple cycles into it. I figured out it must not have been me. <laughs> no, I mean when you when you struggle with something because th that happens, right? P the companies go under, um, uh, or projects go away, or a company doesn't get the pro uh, get the uh, the, the recompete contract, and then they down you know staff are let go. W what's that bounce like? I mean, you've been through it a few times. What's that? I mean, you did it. So how's that, how's that work? Yeah, it was tough. I basically, you know, kind of had to redefine myself a few times along the way. I never went into um, working in a career with the goal of becoming, you know, or an IT executive. My, my degree, I have a, an MBA that I got from Johns Hopkins mid-career, but my bachelor's degree is actually in communication. Mm -hmm. So I thought for sure I was going to be a PR person or something like that. So I, I was talking to my son the other day, he's 21, and he was kind of asking me the same thing. And I'm like, listen, you really have to be open and flexible to kind of redefining yourself as you progress through your career, because you really don't know how it's going to turn out. Mm. So, you know, that's kind of how I took it. I, I was flexible and just tried to take opportunities as they popped up. And sometimes they panned out, sometimes they didn't. But I, I really felt like going from private sector to government was a good move for me because obviously the stability of government was attractive. And I, I found that, um, you know, coming from private sector, it was with some of the, you know, uh, more aggressive mindsets about how to get things done. You know, I, I flourished in the government. And um, that's, that's, that was kind of, I guess, the secret to my success is really, you know, coming in and really working super hard and Kind of having the attitude of a private sector person in the federal government mm. and that's pretty much served me well but i certainly didn't set out with this course in mind when i started so throughout that journey um you've been in i you know in in employment and in it and in working for for some time what's what's something you've stumbled across that if if you if we came to you chuck and said chuck today you get to make this decision and we want to change something for the better what, what's something you've witnessed that we should probably consider changing are you talking about the federal government in particular or or IT? just anything you've seen along the way, like in terms of how we do work or how we manage people or, or anything, really? Yeah, well, I, I guess I'll answer that from the federal government perspective first, and you can narrow it down from there. You know, for federal government, especially in IT, I would love to see the federal government allow IT to have multi-year budgets 
hmm. and not have a single year budget because I find that that's very difficult to accomplish things in IT with only one year funding, right? Mm. And because it's, at least from my experience in the IT world and the government, you have to fight for those dollars because you're competing with mission goals. And even though IT plays a critical role in those mission goals, it's always a firefight to make sure you get your funding for things every year. So from the federal side, I would love to see that change and allow for more multi-year funding. Um, you know, and I guess in terms of more general, the whole relationship between IT and the business it's kind of a, there's a divide there. And I feel like that divide is shrinking as technology becomes more mainstream. I mean, consumers, you know, non-IT people in the government or in industry, they have a lot of tech at their disposal at home. So they're a lot more educated than they used to be when I started this IT career. So they come with their own expectations and um, demands, if you will, about what they expect IT to do. And I, I think that IT needs to be more flexible in working with the business and vice versa you know, that there needs to be less of a gap between the business side and the IT side. I, I wish I could change that. I, I, you know, I think I've had small wins along the way, but it's certainly not something I've been able to solve completely. Hmm. That's an interesting one, right? I, I mean, I, I, you and I are both in the same, same boat, right? Federal IT, and that's definitely a challenge. And I, th I think even for business programs, right? If you have a mission essential system that the business has to fight for the dollars, it's the same problem for them and that they're trying to build out this capability, but they're doing it on one year money. Yeah, um, that's that's it's been a tough challenge. You're right. It is a tough thing. Absolutely. So what's what's next? I mean, uh, you're, you're not you're not retiring by by no. any means. And you've you've been there, done that on some things. What, what do you see for yourself here in the you know, near to late future? Uh, it's a great question. I wish I had a great answer. I, I don't <laughs> to be honest, the honest answer is I don't know. Uh, I'm happy in the role that I'm in. You know, I, I manage a, a a really large contract for the SEC, and I enjoy that. I also enjoy the fact that I'm not a supervisor anymore, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't I don't have some of those pressures uh, on me. But I don't I don't think this is the role where I'll end up permanently, long term. You know, I'm I'm hoping that the government becomes more flexible with allowing IT executives to live outside the DC area. I personally think that would be a, a huge benefit to, to the federal government to have people that are in IT, but they're not at headquarters in Washington from a continuity perspective. I would love to stay in the federal government longer in an executive role, but not in DC. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm, I'm quite sure that my executive days are not over yet, but um, at least for the immediate future, I'm pretty content in the role that I'm in. Um, and we'll see what happens after that. I'm, you know, I, honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> The move has been good for, for my family and, and uh, you know, I'm happy with that so far. Well, Chuck, I appreciate you coming on. I too am looking forward to what, what's next for you. I mean, we've known each other a long time and uh, for those who know us know I followed you to some of those places. So I uh, look forward to continuing to work with you and, and can't wait to see what's next for you. Thanks, Jeremy. It's been good talking to you.